A big month ahead for the Boilermakers, including a game against Iowa on Saturday in Iowa City. The Boilermakers taking a bit of momentum into the contest, having beaten Illinois 44-19 over the weekend. I'm Kyle Charters, Tom Deanhart here as well for Gold and Black Radio. Tom coming up next, but first this. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. The Boilermakers get a much-needed win against Illinois on Saturday as we flip the calendar Tom over to October, uh, where it gets a little bit more difficult uh, for the Boilermakers. However, and this is the always the case, right? Uh, after a win, it looks a little rosier here, uh, perhaps than than it did uh, before, because there. While the schedule is more difficult, there are you know games here in which you expect the Boilermakers to be able to compete, especially as you feel good about uh, the win against the fighting Illini. Yeah. Two and three, you got uh, what, five games left. You got to find a way to win. What is that? Uh, I'm doing my math right. Two and three and they got seven games left. Yeah. You got to find yeah. a way to win four of those seven, obviously. And, and yeah, may, maybe there's a couple on there that maybe don't look quite as daunting as we thought back in August. Right. And one of those games is this Saturday at Iowa and that game at Nebraska to close this month. Both look like they may indeed be winnable given the struggles of each. And again, Kyle, um, Iowa struggles. My goodness, uh, they're they're just they're they're challenged anyway on offense when they're fully healthy. Well, now they're not fully healthy. Uh, it sounds like their quarterback, Caden McNamara, the Michigan transfer, may be out for the year. Uh, maybe something will be out by the time this is posted officially from the University of Iowa. But yeah, I mean, uh, without McNamara, again. Um, that offense is really going to struggle. Two running backs, the top backs are, are out as well. They're tied in. Lucas Shaves outstanding is out. So, yeah, they're, they're going to be pushing the boulder uphill. And here comes Purdue, right? Kyle uh, coming off its best game of the year, having some mojo, feeling good about itself. So, I think I was given four at this point, but maybe Purdue can find a way to sneak one uh, out of Kinnick Stadium where they've won two of the last three times they played. Yeah, maybe that line changes a little bit too if McNamara is indeed – uh, ruled out for this weekend and perhaps beyond. Uh, Purdue has had success over there in Iowa City. Obviously, you know, things have changed from a Boilermakers perspective, new coaching staff uh, with Ryan Walters and company. But it's not as if uh, that has been, uh, you know, a Wisconsin-esque-like uh, game for Purdue. It's been a good matchup for the Boilermakers. Of late, it was kind of Wisconsin-esque for a while. Ever since yeah. they didn't try out there in 1979. Iowa just dominated Purdue in the, in the 80s, and I think Purdue may only beat them one time in the 90s. So, yeah, um, but Jeff Brom comes aboard and sort of flipped the script there. I think he had a winning record against uh, Kirk Ferentz. And um, so, yeah, the, the, the playing field's maybe leveling a little bit. Let's see if uh, Ryan Walters can continue. Um, again, a great opportunity. And like I said earlier, Purdue's got to be feeling good about itself from both sides of the ball. I know it was only Illinois, but still. To, to, to actually see tangible results, to see that defense be more aggressive, make some big plays, some big negative plays, seven TFLs, five sacks, and offensively, Kyle, some big plays downfield and 
dare I say, the strength of this Purdue offense is running the football um, with Tracy Mockaby and Downing and then a little bit of Hudson Card. Um, uh, Purdue's finding a way to get it done in that 44-19 victory. They displayed a lot, of, a lot of what this program could be this year. Yeah, Purdue gets the win against the Fighting Illini. I, I think that, uh, you know, if it, if it would have been a, a, a 24-21 victory, like many of us predicted, I think, in our predictions, gold and black, a lot of them were between, what, one and four points, somewhere right in there. But the fact that Purdue, in the second half in particular, really just dominated uh, Illinois and, and put that game far in the rearview mirror, I think says something a little bit more uh, about Purdue. It, it was not just a pedestrian victory. Purdue really dominated a team in Illinois that, that probably isn't all that good. Uh, mm. But when you're taking on an opponent like that, you really want to uh, put the hammer down in the second half, and Purdue was able to do that. Yeah, they did what they were supposed to do, Kyle. It's like you said, an opponent that's really not that good, an opponent that's really struggled this year in Illinois. I think Purdue was maybe a couple-point favorite. Like you said, they really put the pedal to the metal in the third quarter, I think they outscored uh, Illinois 21 to nothing in the third quarter to sort of stalt that thing away early and uh, looked very convincing in doing so on a, for a homecoming crowd. And, and um, yeah, again, um, just have, have to feel good about all this. And uh, you know what, Kyle, the one thing that's always encouraging in life, no matter who you are, things aren't working. You got to look for solutions and change, right? And we saw some significant ones on Saturday in Ross State with Ryan Walters signaling in the defense from the sideline and Kevin Kane working in the press box, sort of as his eyes in the sky, working in concert with, with Ryan Walters, still working together. Um, but that was how they were configured at Champaign the last two years when they were so good on defense over there. And then offensively, Kyle, they moved their, their offensive coordinator, Graham Harold, to the press box. And they moved his eyes to the sky, Seth Daigie on the field. So, you know what? Like I said, they look for solutions, and, and things seem to really work swimmingly on Saturday. And I'm sure these uh, arrangements, as far as the staff and where they're located, are going to probably continue. Yeah, I always think the OC should be up in the box just from a perspective <clears throat> point of view to see uh, how things are developing, what things look like, see if you can, you know, see tendencies in the defense that you might be able to exploit. Uh, and so seemed like good moves from both perspectives. And as you said, uh, you know, you like to see a, a young staff uh, be uh, willing to make those kind of changes early on in the season. I mean, I, I think uh, sometimes a tendency is to, you know, just stick with it. Right. And we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. show you that we can get it done, but a willingness to, to make some adjustments, I think is a good sign for Purdue. Yeah, you know, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing, expecting different results. Uh, that, that seems to describe the Iowa offense, doesn't it? <laughs> still, I think we talked off fair. The Iowa offense is still stuck in 1985. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, again, you know, again, the people can be stubborn. They think their way is infallible and it's going to work. Gosh darn it. It's going to work if we just keep doing it. Um, but you got to always be willing to, to look at maybe alternatives if things aren't working be open to change and trying different things. You always have to be adaptable. That's what coaching is all about. That's what life's about. It's about changing and adapting because change is going to happen. How are we going to react to it? And as coaches, they always have to react to these changes. Kyle, it's, like, it's like living a lifetime in 60 minutes of football game. The ups and downs of life, the ups and downs of a football game, the ebbs of momentum. You're down, you're up, things are changing. What are you going to do now? Oh my gosh, things are falling apart. What am I going to do? So that, that's what it's all about. And, 
And like I said, it was good to see a young staff in particular be willing to look at things differently uh, if, if they thought what they were doing maybe needed to be tweaked. You know, we've talked a lot, uh, Tom, in the first almost half now of the season about offensive identity. It seemed like Purdue took a, a step forward in establishing what it wants to be uh, on that side of the ball. Maybe part of that was Illinois, but it seemed like Purdue, uh, you know, is is emphasizing the run. Um, you know, another game in which it's very productive uh, with its running backs. Seemed like it tried to set Deion Burks up a little bit more, obviously. Uh, the nice play there in the red zone on the uh, toss sweep. Um, a play that we had actually in the limited amount of time that, that we watched practice, uh, we had actually seen that play run uh, and, and hadn't yet seen it in a game. So uh, figured it was out there somewhere, uh, but uh, Purdue did, did run it then and in a good spot. And Deion Burks got to show off the speed there on that play as well. But it, you know, bigger, they had bigger plays, more explosive, more explosive uh, chunk plays as they call them uh, in the game as well. So it was a much more efficient offensive day uh, for Purdue and one in which it did get big plays as well. It seemed like a step forward for Purdue's offense. Yeah, you're right. The big plays, getting the ball in Deion Burke's hands, good things are typically going to happen. And, um, you know, we talked about the ground game. Tyrone Tracy, I think, clearly has established himself as the alpha running back. One of the bigger surprises, I think, of the season so far. Devin Mockaby, um, we know all we know all about his, his issues fumbling the ball. He had another one on Saturday. I believe that's six on the year. But they kept they kept with him, Kyle. Kept him out there. They even let him run on his goal line to score a touchdown. So they need Devin Mockaby. We all know that. And uh, so that's key. That ground game, like I said, has been a real strength. And we got to tip our hat a little bit, I think, the offensive line. Uh, sometimes we uh, criticize it, but I thought they did a pretty good job against an Illinois defense that has two, I think, NFL uh, defensive tackles on it. And um, one other thing, too, Kyle, produced a better job Saturday of limiting penalties, which, is, which had become a bugaboo, and turnovers. We talked about the mock if you fumble, but that was it. I think before that, Kyle – two previous games they had six turtle six turnovers total so we all know you can't turn the ball over if you want to win so again getting those turnovers buttoned up getting the penalties buttoned up where i think big steps toward all that success to end saturday too yeah Purdue was solid defensively uh i tweeted out during the game or posted out on x during the game <laughs> uh uh that uh Illinois' offensive line was questionable. <laughs> uh, You're being kind. You're being kind. Yeah, it struggled a little bit, and Purdue really took advantage of that. I mean, I, I thought that Purdue's defensive front uh, was really good. Really, the whole defense in general, I thought, played played very well on Saturday. But uh, when Purdue's able to get some pressures like that and force mm -hmm. the quarterback uh, into making some quicker-than-necessary decisions, it works out pretty well. Now – the first play of the game, you were a little like, yeah, here we go again. <laughs> a quarterback running the football. Uh, yeah. but Purdue got a little bit better locked in. Yannick Karloftis had a great game. Purdue got uh, various different pressures. Uh, I thought that the secondary uh, was pretty good, uh, again, for, for Purdue. So it was, a, it was a pretty good all-around effort by the defense. Yeah, they, I thought they were more aggressive. Maybe that was because they wanted to take advantage of that vulnerable Illinois offensive line. We saw the defense score a touchdown, Kyle. 
Yeah. Uh, Marquevious Brown looked like he sprinted about 50 yards. And he <laughs> finally reached Luke Altmaier. Of course, he yards the ball loose. And Joseph Anderson smells it in the end zone. So it was good to get a defensive touchdown. I believe that was Purdue's first touchdown of the game. So sort of set the tone, right? Very aggressive defense. I mentioned the five sacks, seven TFLs. You talked about Yanni. You know, OC Brothers was out, the starting inside linebacker. So Yanni had to play more along with Clyde Washington. And, yeah, Yanni had a career game. I think he was number two on the team in tackles behind Sanusi Kane, had the sack. He had a TFL. So nice to see number 14 taste some success. And who knows, maybe this would be a spark. Give him some confidence, and he can be a, become more of a contributor um, throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, it was definitely nice to see. Uh, he, you know, that was a spot, not just him, but the, the position in general where you felt like, you know, Purdue needed to start making a little bit more plays, and he certainly uh, did that against Illinois on Saturday. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll uh, we'll push ahead here. Look at the month of October, Hawkeyes in particular. We'll do that coming up next on Golden Black Radio. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. A Boilermakers and Hawkeyes at 3.30 Eastern time in Iowa City. Uh, this is an Iowa team that, that is just still, it's the same, right? I mean, uh, uh, people over there are hungry for Brian Ferentz to not <laughs> be there anymore, uh, I think. Um uh, it just, it, it, you mentioned it earlier, it feels like a, a very 1980s offense here in, in 2023. And you just cannot do that unless you have, unless your guys are just better than the other team's guys, yeah. uh, you've got to be a little bit more dynamic offensively. And unfortunately for the Hawkeyes, uh, and maybe fortunately for Purdue, uh, Iowa is just not that right now. They do not have uh, enough offensively, especially when you look at some of the injury situations uh, mm -hmm. that Iowa has right now as well. Yeah, they're, they're going to be challenged. You know, Brian Ferentz, the much maligned offensive coordinator, son of Kirk Ferentz, has those clauses in his contract, Kyle. He's got to meet this year as far as, I think, points per game, maybe yards per game, or 
I guess he, I guess he loses his job. So, and I, I was talking to an Iowa writer last night and he says during that Michigan state game Saturday, there was through television, there's an audible, you can hear, you can hear the student section audibly yelling fire Brian Ferentz. So the pressure gets, gets hotter for, for the, again, Kirk's Kirk's son. Uh, and his job gets a lot tougher, obviously, if, if McNamara is indeed out, as we suspect. And, um, again, they'll be really challenged. Quarterback that, that came in, uh, uh, Deacon Hill, I believe, was a kid that was at he was at Wisconsin. He's going to transfer to Fordham. And uh, Iowa wheeled him in. And he's the guy. He's a big kid, about 6'3", 250. I'm told he's a big arm, but not real mobile. So, uh, McNamara has some mobility. And again, the, the running backs, Caleb Williams, Kyle, the kid who ran for like 200 yards against Purdue last year over here, is out. So, again, um, he's dealing with a less than full deck, Brian Ferentz. So, uh, to be interesting to see uh, what he can cobble together here. You know, it's, it's amazing, isn't it, in this program, Iowa, Kyle? Even though that offense struggles so mightily, they, they always find a way with defense and special teams yeah. to scratch out wins and score touchdowns. I mean, that's always a fear if you're Purdue. They're going to find some way to win this game 14 to 17 to 14 by scoring on a pick six or a punt return. I give Iowa credit. They've been very resourceful. Uh, but sometimes you, you like to think that, that, that's gotta, that luck's got to run out. But obviously it's not luck that they're well-schooled and have some talent on both those units, special teams and defense. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, Iowa does a great job of keeping itself in – in games, almost no matter who the opponent is at times, right? I mean, if you can play defense, play special teams, you can keep yourself in there um, in a lot of instances, uh, and and it's able to do that for sure. This feels like a game in which, uh, you know, sort of like the Wisconsin game, Purdue's going to be tested more physically uh, than it was against Illinois. That is the area to me as, as we look ahead here a few days before the game that you, you still don't know. Um, you know, mm -hmm. the offensive line has been, has been pretty good here, here recently. Um, you know, will the defensive line and defensive front be able to, uh, do what it did against Illinois, uh, and didn't do it against Wisconsin? Will it be able to do that against Iowa? I think those are sort of the big questions as you, as you look forward toward the game on Saturday. Yeah. You know, and, uh, along those lines on the, the Purdue offensive line, we saw a lot more Luke Griffin, the, the transfer from Missouri at right guard in, in place of Jalen Grant. I'm sure that probably will continue. And you talk about physicality. Yeah, you know, uh, that line's going to be tested. Can they, can they get a push against Iowa's front? One thing that was pointed out to me about Iowa's defense, which was interesting, they're always bend but don't break. So it's always hard to get big plays. But one thing, they, 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 they still, this year, Kyle, uh, yet to register a sack against a, a power five opponent if you can believe that. So uh, they don't seem to have that dynamic pass rusher off the edge. Maybe that's good news for Purdue's line, which has at times struggled to protect Hudson cards. So keep your eye on that. If, if Iowa can get some pressure where they've really been able to, un, been un, unable to do so against power five competition this year. So um, yeah, as you said, when you play Iowa, Wisconsin, now that's big 10 physical football, usually not a matchup that favors Purdue. So we'll see how, the Boilermakers, you know, really square off in the trenches against Iowa here. Iowa on the road, Ohio State then at home. The Boilermakers have had uh, moments of good success against the Buckeyes in Ross-Ade Stadium recently. And then at Nebraska, I mean, in, in some ways you can look at this month and, and feel like there's still some opportunity here for Purdue, yeah. even though uh, you know that it's probably overall more challenging than what September was. Yeah, you know, there's a bye after the Ohio State games. So there's only three games in October. 
So they get a break before they have to go uh, go to Nebraska. So yeah, you're right. Uh, um, the challenges loom, like, like you mentioned, and I, I think they have to find a way to. They have to find a way to win either Saturday, Kyle, or at Nebraska. They got to find a way to steal one of those road games against vulnerable teams to make up for losing to Fresno State and Syracuse at home. And then again, the last three games of the year, Minnesota at home, at Northwestern, Indiana at home. You'd like produce chances in those three games. So do the math, right? They need four wins here. And um, again, at Iowa, at Nebraska, uh, games we didn't think we had much of a shot at back in August. Now suddenly look like games. Well, you know what? Maybe Purdue can find a way to win those games, or maybe at least one of them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Most definitely. All right. Thanks, Tom. Take care, buddy. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. Thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right. That'll do it for our show for Tom Deanhart. I'm Kyle Chargers. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Black Radio.